BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome everyone to the Stardom Cast, and it is the most wonderful time of the year. Yes, folks, you know what time it is. It is five-star Grand Prix time as we are going to be reviewing nights one and two of the fantastic five-star review. I am your host, Matt Turner. This is episode 74 of the Stardom Cast, and I hope everybody is doing fantastic I hope you were better yesterday than you were today. Excuse me, I hope you're better today than you were yesterday. I hope you're better this week than you were last week, because that's what it's all about. It's just getting a little bit better each and every day. And uh, if you're a little bit on the downside, let's get you. Let's get you to the positive side. Let's strap on in. Let's have a good time with this episode of the Stardom Cast. Um, I am probably, you probably can hear it. I'm fired up. I'm tuned up. I'm excited. One, I'm excited to talk about these two fantastic shows um, at number two, I'm always excited to talk to the friends and family of the Stardom cast, and I'm super pumped and super jazzed as I uh, just listened to the new Inflame song. It is fantastic. If you've been listening to this podcast for a little bit, you will know that I'm a big fan of heavy metal. I'm a big fan of the Sweden metal band Inflames. And speaking of Inflames, yes, that's my ham-fisted segue. Going down Inflames is our Io Shirai watch, as, uh, as I'm sure... As everybody listening to this podcast knows, she will not be coming back to stardom anytime soon. She she uh, showed up uh, this Saturday at SummerSlam. So, oh, I do want to apologize. I was going to do it on social media, but I figured I'll just do it here. I do want to apologize to all the listeners that have mine gotten the hopes up as we've been doing this Io Shirai watch for, I don't know, the last four or five weeks. Uh, we were just taking her main pods if thought she was coming back. But, hey, good on her. You know, she got to do her main roster debut in front of like 40,000 people you know, over there in Tennessee. And she's going to be feuding with Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair, you know, right off the rip. So, hey, good on her. You can't blame her for for uh, for wanting to stay there. But who knows? Maybe someday she'll be back and start a year, two years, three years. Keep her fingers crossed. So uh, we'll see. You know, we, maybe we'll stay. We'll keep the Io Shirai watch. Maybe maybe on the episodes we have a little bit more time. I mean, you, you know, hey, it's your show as well. I'm just talking. Let me know. Maybe we'll do what EO did this past week on WWE TV. I mean, she is the queen of stardom after all. So if you want to do a quick little two or three minute, you want me to do a quick little two or three minute 
Io Shirai uh, watch at the beginning of the show. Uh, maybe we'll do it. You know, let me know. Let me know what you want to hear. But uh, let's get on to it. Let's get on to these two absolutely fantastic shows. I'm not, I know a lot of people watched it live. Uh, for me, I think it was 3.30 in the morning on the Saturday show, and the Sunday show was 1.30 in the morning. And I did watch a little bit of SummerSlam. It was, uh, you know, let me back up a little bit on the Io Shirai thing. The one cool thing was like when EO came out, my phone was blowing up. My social media was blowing up of uh, people like, you know, they just wanted to know what my opinion on it was. And obviously I was a little bit disappointed because we all want her in stardom. But obviously what's best for her is her staying staying with the company. She's going to be making a ton of money and making a big name, bigger name for herself. But the cool thing was like I talked to like I talked to my friends that watch WWE on the regular. You know, they were texting me, you know, back and forth. And I was talking to a lot of the listeners of this podcast a lot of listeners from England, a lot of listeners from Japan. And the next day, like Saturday, I was uh, tweeting back and forth, like DMing back and forth with the with the listener from Belgium. So to me, that's just really cool that like this podcast, it just reaches people all over the world. Like I'm in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, like literally doing this podcast on my daughter's art desk. So and the fact that this goes out, to you know, I get messages from people from Paris, from Belgium, you know, from Japan, from Italy. I just think that's really, really cool. So. And I guess, hey, a little another ham-fisted segue, quick little segue. If you checked my Twitter out the other day, my daughter, speaking of her art desk, she just did a little art project for the Hanakamura little tribute thing that her mother's putting up. So I put that up on Twitter. You know, just take a look, you know, comment, retweet it. Um, something that as my daughter's going into her senior year, like senior year of high school, that's like something that more than likely she's going to be going to college for. So, you know, hey, by all means, you know, like it, retweet it. Uh, you know, get it out there. And it's uh, for a good cause for the Hana Kimura uh, Memorial. Getting into this show, let's go into night number one from the 30th of July in front of 1,537 people. We're just going to quickly go through the pre-show uh, tag team gauntlet. We had uh, segment number one was Rina and Ruaka versus Hina and Miyu Amasaki. And Rina gets the win over Hina with the uh, backslide uh, jackknife pin. And then we saw the team of Koguma and Hannah come out. Koguma gets the schoolboy back roll, the Koguma roll over Hina. So that would take it to Koguma and Hana versus the team of Tam and Natsupoi. I think this was kind of easy one to figure out who was gonna uh, who was gonna win this one at this point. Uh, Tam hits the German suplex on Hannah. So then we get Tom and Natsupoi versus uh, Momo Watanabe and Saki. And Poi goes over Saki uh, via an inside cradle. And then the final was uh, the mystery team. I thought that was the end of it. it was Natsupoi and Tam versus Starlight Kid, who was supposed to be wrestling Suzu Suzuki, but she missed this weekend shows, I believe, with uh, COVID-related uh, issues. So hopefully she'll be back soon. Uh, Starlight Kid and Fukin Death, but Natsupoi getting the uh, Ferial Gift on uh, Fukin Death. So Tam and Natsupoi pick up a win here. Three and a half stars for the whole tag gauntlet. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Sometimes on these pre-shows when they do these battle royals you kind of have like little throwaways you have a lot of star power in there you know Natsupoi, uh tam you had starlight kid you had momo you had koguma on there hana you had a bunch of champions in there miyu hamasaki looked really good so i thought this was really good good way to warm up the crowd and then we went to the fantastic beginning of the five star with the pageantry with uh, the lighting and the smoke coming off the stage very very well done and i liked it how each group came out like in their own individual thing like cosmic angels to me <laughs> you know i'm a 90s kid cosmic angels to me look like 
they were getting ready to leave that stage and go film a video with Janet Jackson from like 1994. I thought they looked so cool. I liked how uh, Queen's Quest, Utami, Saya, Kamatani, and Izumi, they came out like the Momo robes. I believe that's what the kimono robes, excuse me, not Momo, kimono robes. And they all had like their colors. Like Izumi was purple, Utami was red, Saya was green. I thought that was very well done. I thought, you know, stars looked really good. DM, DDM looked really good. God's Eye, you know, they got the, the final... You know, they were like the last unit that was announced, I think, because of Sherry being the champion. I thought that was all very, very well done. And uh, you, you, they seem every year they seem to just top each other. They, they, every year with this little opening ceremonies, they really put a really big focus on very similar to the Olympics. Like it's like its own thing. I saw a lot of people tweeting out saying they were so excited for the shows, but they were so excited for like these opening ceremonies. So I thought that was, you know, really, really cool. Just another positive spin on stardom and these shows. The other positive spin on these two shows was the commentating team had a uh, New Japan legend, Yuji Nagata, who's been actually uh, teaching some of the wrestlers in stars or probably in, in stardom. But obviously it's, uh, they're doing something with with the uh, with the Nagata lock with Saida, which you saw a lot here. So I thought that added a lot to the show is having an, a legend like Yuji Nagata do the commentary for these entire two shows. So I thought that was, uh, again, another little flicker on top of the fantastic wrestling that is stardom. So let's get into match number one proper. Saw May Sakurai versus Momo Kogo from the Red Stars block. We had a forearm fest to start between the two of them. May Sakurai gets the early advantage with the big boot. And we've been seeing her use that a lot, like as a cutoff, as, you know, pile on move. She's been using this really stiff Yakuza kick. And you kind of wonder if Yuji Nagata is teaching stars is on the opposite side, his rival from the 90s, Masahiro Chono, maybe uh, doing something with DDM. You've seen Julia using the big boot. You've seen Chono, through, you know, uh, receive May Sakurai here using it. So I think that'd be maybe something cool that, you know, they show Masahiro Chono is uh, kind of secretly teaching uh, Donald Del Mundo some of the hidden tricks. It'd be cool to see Mike and Himika maybe start using the STF as a finisher. Uh, when we see Julia use that. But anyway, back to the match. Uh, Momo hits a beautiful drop kick, 619 in the springboard drop kick, all in sequence for a near two. Uh, then they go back and forth using some fl uh, flash pinfalls to get some near wins. You figured it's the first match of the five star. Any one of these moves can get the advantage or get the win. Eventually, May Sakurai comes back with another huge big boot, one after another, wearing Momo down. And then she uses the gourd buster to get the pinfall. Three and a quarter stars, good way to start the tournament. Match number two saw Amisori versus Saya and to the shock of absolutely no one, this match started with, guess what, folks? Chops. Uh, I thought that was really good. I thought it was really cool how Saya kept going for uh, Ami's arm. You know, Ami throws. She has a lot of power with that blue thunder bomb, the brain buster. She throws those brutal, brutal lariats. So I thought it was cool how Saya was working Ami's right arm. Not only that, but it's setting her up for the Nagata lock. Again, you know, we, we've seen Yuji Nagata training stars and showing the Nagata lock. And I like how Saeed is the one out of all the members of stars that's adopting it. Uh, you know, Koguma, Hazuki, and Mayu are kind of like made people right now. Momokogo and Hana, they're not there yet, but they're getting there. So I thought that is cool that they were giving the Yuji Nagata's finisher, you know, his main finishers for decades to Saeed, just adding that much more to her. Um, so I like that, like that little wrinkle that they, that they use. And she even did the eye roll, the back of the head. And you can hear like Nagata, like really pop for it. So I thought that was cool. Um, I was a big fan of how, uh, when Amisori was really getting going, she knew she couldn't throw the right hand lariats. So she had to throw a left arm lariat. And I thought that was a, you know, nice psychology. really, really smart. 
and her tag partner Mariah is the master of the left arm lariat. And we will obviously talk a lot about that in her first two matches. Uh, I thought that was really good. That was a really good psychology that added to it. Army winds up fighting through uh, through the pain, fires up after that left arm lariat, hits a blue thunder bomb, and the vertical drop brain buster for the win, three and a half stars. Match number three, Sasaki. It's capital letters, Saki. Uh, representing colors, the colors Cosmic Angels versus Unagi. So we have the, uh, you know, the, the two people from Cosmic Angels. Um, this was a Red Stars block match. Oh, and the uh, match before, I apologize, was a Blue Stars block match. I literally have that in my notes. I just want to kind of remind myself and you fantastic listeners what block we're, uh, we're talking about. So Saki and Unagi, really fast-paced action to start. I really like that. And then they start slowing it down by threatening, by trading stiff kicks back and forth in the middle of the ring with each other. Big fan of that. Saki does a great job of stringing some moves together and closing the distance by staying aggressive. You know, you don't want Yunagi, who's known for stringing a lot of moves back to back to back to really get a, get an advantage or, or momentum. So I thought Saki did a really good job kind of cutting off Yunagi any time that she tried to get some momentum going. I thought that was uh, that was really good. Yunagi hits a Mijinoka driver. Uh, excuse me. Um, Saki hits a Mijinoka driver on Yunagi for two. And then Sa- Saki quickly follows up with that running brain buster that she does for the win. Three and a half stars. Again, these first three matches, there wasn't a whole lot of substance to it, but they weren't going really long. I think these three matches went like sub 10 minutes. So you're getting a lot of bang for your buck. Not a lot of uh, not a lot of filler because we know the last handful of matches they're going to be long, but like in the best way. So it's a good, really good way to highlight these uh, six individuals in the first three matches. And the crowd, and really, is a really good job warming up the crowd because they were really, uh, really coming up, you know, for these first first few matches. You don't want to burn them out just right away. Match number four was a Red Stars block. We saw Micah take on Reese and Sarah. I thought this was really, really good. And uh, my first note is Micah looked in phenomenal shape. Not that she was in like bad shape by any means, but she looked really, really good here. Like her core looked more tight, like more cut up. I noticed when she was on the outside and she was like selling and she was getting up, like climbing up on top like, to the apron. Like you just see her back was just all cut up. And then uh not like cut up like Risa Sarah would try to cut her up with the light tube. But like you know what I mean. Like she's obviously focusing a lot more on her body weight workout and uh like and we did if you do go on her uh I was on her Instagram like a day or two before the tournament, just kind of just going through, see who was, you know, hyping what up. And she was showing a lot of her exercises. I'm a big weightlifting person myself. And there was a lot of her doing squats with her shoes off. And I have a lot of weightlifting and bodybuilding friends where they told me to do squats with your shoes off. And I actually started that this week. So I can see why they like it. But you can see that her effort in the gym is really, really paying off because her body looks really, really solid. And that's a really good look you want to have going into the five-star and, you know, because you have a lot of people watching the tournament. So I will always kudo onto any wrestler that's improving their self, whether it's in the gym or in the ring. Obviously, not just any wrestler, any athlete or any person in general that's just trying to better themselves, whether it's, you know, reading a book or you want to become a better cook, you want to become a better, you know, whatever grass cutter person. If you're improving yourself, you know, hey, I'm rooting for you. So obviously, I'm a big fan of Micah regardless. Anywho. Really starts with some, you have the backstory of DDM versus Prominence. So you have that heat right there. So they early uh, brawl on the outside, you know, to really kind of change things up a little bit from the first three matches. Micah gets rid of the first advantage with a spectacular superplex. So Risa Sarah had the advantage on the brawl on the outside. 
eventually Micah cuts Risa off and she goes for that uh, her beautiful stalling superplex. I thought that was really good. Micah uses a series of lariats to try to keep Risa down, but Risa just fires up and fights back. I thought that was a really good way of showcasing, you know, Risa Sarah for the for the fans who've never seen her before. Because I know there was a lot of new viewers uh, onto this year's five star. She fights up and she hits out a sit-out DVD for two, and then she piles on with an air raid crash and then hits the double knees for the win. Three and a half stars. Really good way to get Risa over. As we've seen Micah like have a lot of longer matches. You know, we've seen her with Utami. We've seen her I beat Utami last year's five star, who was the champion. We've seen her come really, really close a few months ago of dethroning Saya Kamatani for the white belt. So I thought the psychology here was really good for Risa to as to Risa for not for Micah to build momentum. You know, we've seen her build momentum with some suplexes and some clotheslines, but she quickly got, you know, shut that off and closed the door. Uh, do they, was this match really good? Sure. I thought it was, I thought it was excellent. You know, three and a half stars. Do they have a better match in them? I think so. I think somewhere down the line, we may see them get like a, maybe a 14, 15 minute match where we can build towards some falsies. But as the fourth match of this tournament, Perfectly fine. Didn't waste anybody's time. I thought it was a really good way to get Risa over to uh, to start to start the tournament. Match number five, Red Stars block. We saw the world of Stardom champion Sherry take on the high speed champion Azumi. And literally, as this match was starting, I was like, "Whose idea was to put this match out at fifth? Like, you literally have two of your champions. I really thought this was going to be the main event. Either this or the Julia and Hazuki match, just based on the heat they were building. But I was like, well. You have two of your champions, you know, your main champion, and then your phenomenal high-speed champion. Two wrestlers I don't think anybody's going to argue is probably in the top ten of their wrestlers of the year. I have them in my top five, and you're putting them on fifth. You know, okay, no problem. You know, here we go. Azumi starts with some high-speed offense, but Shiri gets the advantage with just one kick. <laughs> right to the head. Spills to the outside, where Azumi winds up returning the big head kick onto uh, Sherry, and then she climbs to the top rope and hits a double stomp off the top rope <laughs> onto Sherry laying on the outside. What a great visual. I'm assuming he's just nuts. And Sherry's just nuts for taking this. This is just night one, folks. <laughs> we got two more months left of this. Sherry goes in to get, get, to get in the ring, but Azumi cuts her off with that hurricanrana that spikes Sherry right on top of her head. I love that move. And Azumi does it so well. And Sherry does a great job feeding and uh, selling it. Fantastic. Um, Azumi's so desperate. She just at, at this point she knows she has the champion. Nobody's pinned the champion in a singles match in a year, and she's so desperate at this point. She's trying to get on that Azumi Sushi. That seems to be uh, Sherry's kryptonite is that Azumi Sushi, and she just keeps going and going for it. She three times she goes for it, and even once she like baits Sherry in. I thought the psychology was really good there. Like she had her twice so close, and then she starts eating kicks just to bait. It's like I'll eat one or two of your kicks. Just to bait you in for another attempt. And she goes for the double Azumi Sushi. And I thought that was the that we're gonna get our first major, major upset of the tournament. Uh Sherry winds up kicking out of it. Sherry fires back with a big head kick, and then she goes for the pin. And Azumi kicks out at one. I thought that was that was something. It's like, nope, I'm not gonna stay down for this. Sherry tries for the Azumi sushi on uh on uh on Azumi, you know, a little taste of her own medicine. She can't get it, but eventually feeds out into the stretch muffler white tiger submission. I thought this was fantastic. Four and a half stars. Uh, terrific. And again, I was like, well, how are we going to follow this? <laughs> then I went up to get a drink, and then I sat back down. And I was like, oh, we're going to do the uh, Kari versus Saya tag match. So 
Match number six is Seven Kari, the reunition, uh, re- reunion, reunion of former champions of uh, Nene Takahashi and Kari versus Sai Kamatani and Lady C. I figured we would get like little sprinkles of Kari versus Sai here, just enough to you know wet the beak a little. So this way we knew that after the five star we were going to get this match. They didn't give us sprinkles; they gave us a lot, and obviously this match, the. the this match that they're going to have, the singles match, it's not happening after the five stars. It's actually happening in like three weeks. So it's like, we're giving you all these great matches. And oh, by the way, here's another pay-per-view. You know, we're giving you all these great matches in the five star. And here's another pay-per-view with all these fantastic matches. So Sarm just keeps piling on to what is one of the greatest years in professional wrestling for any wrestling company. And we are here for it, folks. We are here for it. So really quick start with uh, Sai and Kari. Um, Sai is super aggressive, like super aggressive here. Like this, it seemed like she has something to prove, something we really haven't seen from her before. Uh, so I thought that was that was a good, uh, it was a good little planting the seeds there of how their single match is gonna go. Eventually, Nene and Kari get in there and they get some heat on Lady C. Of course, that's what poor Lady C was there for. Tag into Sai as she gets up on Nene, but her focus is clearly on Kari. Anytime she gets up on Nene, she's just bumping Kari off the apron. A little bit like a little bit of heelish stuff we saw from kind of both Kari and Saya. But I don't think anybody's going to boo either of them, to be honest. I think we're going to face versus face match there. Really good double teamwork from both teams, including the uh, pop up uh, elbow from uh, Nene and Kari onto Lady C. I thought that was uh, that was really cool. Uh, perfectly done. Perfectly done for a team that hasn't done that move in years. I thought that was looked absolutely tremendous. And Lady C's the perfect person to do it on. So really good uh, feed on Lady C. And she ate that elbow like a champ. Um, eventually, we get some really good striking stuff with Lady C and Nene. Uh, Nene goes, uh, tries to go off the top rope. Weren't sure what she was going for, but Lady C hits a big choke slam on her. Gets a two count. I thought that was that was a really good spot. We get more stuff with Kari and Saya. Really good chemistry. I mean, these two are going to absolutely knock it out of the park in their singles match coming up here in just a few weeks. Um, we get back into the two legal people in the ring, uh, 9A and uh, Lady C. Lady C eats a, a low enziguri and then a frog splash for the pinfall win from the, uh, the you know, the stardom legends, uh, Kari and Nene. And I thought Nene looked really good here. I thought Kari, this was, I thought Kari's looked really good in all of her matches she's had she's been, since she's been back, but this was her best. I mean, she was on point in her outfit. I thought was terrific. She didn't you know, look like she was, uh, like almost was like a mix of, the stuff she was wearing when she came back and her stuff with like the Kabuki Warriors with Asuka when they try to turn her heel, but nobody's booing Kari because she's just so, so damn good. I was at four and a half stars. This was absolutely fantastic. They did a really good job building up Kari versus Saya. And then Nene calls out Sherry and they do uh, agree to a match, which we're going to get on the same card, the Stardom X Stardom card coming up here at the end of August. So, and I've talked about this on this podcast before. This match is going to be great because you have two really, really hard hitters. But at the same time, it's like, okay, Nene, she beat Momo Watanabe. That was a little over a year ago. She gets the win here. Like, why is she getting a title shot? Like, we have, isn't there so many more deserving people? And I think they did a really good job of Amisori coming in after the challenge was accepted from Sherry and getting in Nene Takahashi's face. It's, and I think that's just for just for Nene to get uh, get a win to build her up. So I think somewhere between now and the 21st of August, you will get a special singles match uh, with Nene Takahashi versus Amisori. That will be hard hitting. Obviously we know that that's the way it's going to go. It's going to just build up uh, the challenger for her, 
her uh, title title shot against Sherry. So I thought that was like smart booking. It's like, like hey, we, we're going to get Sherry another title win here on the road in the middle of, not even the middle, pretty much the beginning of the five-star. But I'm all here for it. I mean, that Stardom X Stardom show is going to be fantastic. And it's literally wedged in with all this fantastic five-star stuff. So mwah, blowing a kiss to you, Stardom. <laughs> fantastic stuff. We move on to match number seven, Blue Stars block. We have the Cinderella tournament winner, Mirai, taking on the former two-time Cinderella uh, winner and the former one-time five-star Grand Prix and uh, winner and our hero, our icon, everybody's favorite, Mayu Iwatani. Oh, it's another really, really solid match. Mayu uses some old-school wrestling mixed with her speed for the early advantage, but eventually crashes and burns on that brutal suicide dive. Mayu has a beautiful, I mean, her and Io are like one and two of like the greatest suicide dive ever. And Mayu goes for it. We always see like she hits it and then like she, not only does her opponent catch her, but whatever faction there catches her, you know, you got to be safe. But she just misses this like right on. And they did it at the perfect spot, like right on the ramp. So not only does she misses, does she miss, but Mirai picks her up and then hits her with like a side suplex powerbomb. So like right on the floor and then she quickly throws Mayu into the ring and then she does the same thing again. She hits her with a with a power bomb. And I was, you know, if you listen to this podcast before, especially for our Red Belt tier members on the Patreon, I'm a big fan of really deep covers, really good covers. Mariah had like this like side headlock, almost like cow catcher catch submission style uh, pinfall on Mayu. And I thought that was a really cool cover. I was like, wow. I thought, you know, I literally that was like one of the coolest things to me that happened this match. It, it you know, things that I like. You know, it's just the little things and just one of the many reasons why I'm a big fan of Mirai. I thought that was uh, that was really good. But Mayu comes back with a few desperation super kicks. The way that she puts these in, like the spots that she puts them in into her match just to create separation. You know, it makes sense. Mayu just ate, ate it on the dive, eats a powerbomb on the outside, eats a huge powerbomb on the inside. She's got to create separation. Obviously, she's got that go-to super kick. She hits her with a few. And then Mirai fires up and blasts poor Mayu with several lariats and two, two from the back of the head. I don't think we've seen Mirai do these before. If we have, obviously, there's nobody in the world that's going to sell them better than Mayu. We all know how much I love Mayu selling. I think she's one of the best all time. And when it comes to selling and selling over, like, and selling one move to put over her opponent. And she sells these two lariats to the back of Mirai that Mirai hits her in the back of the head. Like, she just got shot with a gun. I mean, these are just brutal. Mayu fires back up, gets a few desperation cradles for near falls, but another Larry to the back of the neck, and the mere Mirai shock gets the win for Mirai. Mayu's losing streak on night one of the five-star continues. Four stars. Absolutely fantastic. Just a brilliant way to build Mirai up this whole weekend. You know, you built her up all year. She gets the win on the Cinderella tournament, loses to Saya in a match of the year candidate, in my opinion, for the white belt. And then her and Ami team up. They have two unsuccessful title shots at FWC. You know, the match they lost and the time limit dry, even though they didn't get pinned, you know, you're it's an unsuccessful. So she had three unsuccessful title shots and uh, this whole weekend. And we'll get into night two, obviously, in a little bit. was a great way of just building her back up. Four stars, great booking, absolutely solid. Match number eight saw Himika versus Utami. First note, and this is a Red Stars block match. And speaking of Red Stars, the long red hair of Utami is back. 
I'm so excited. I'm a big fan of just how she looked last year as champion, you know, with the rose, with the belt, with the flag, with the mask, with the long hair, with the with the tips dyed. I just think that it's like championship Utami. She just like does I mean, she doesn't really need much of that to look like a star. She's just a huge star and has that presence, but just adds to it. So now I will say this. I obviously watch Stardom every week, as you know, as I do this podcast. But as I wrote that note, I was like, oh, cool. She's got the, you know, the the long hair with the red tips. I was like, wait a minute. Last week, I thought she had short hair. Now, my sister-in-law is a hairdresser. So I was like, I think it might be hair extensions. And my wife isn't a hairdresser, but she knows a thing or two about makeup and hair or this or that. So when she got up a few hours later, I brought it up and uh, showed her the match. And she's like, oh, those are definitely hair extensions. And early on in the match, you saw like part of Tommy's hair kind of go flying out. So eh, whatever. I thought, yeah, I don't think hair grows that fast. But whatever. Hey, that's the insights that I give you here on the Stardom cast. Um, really good slow building pace between the two. Utami tries to use the rear naked choke for early advantage, while Himika tries to use a Boston Crab. I like that. I like how they were kind of slowing things to build towards the match, and Utami's trying to use one of her go-to holds, the rear naked choke, and uh, and Himika was trying to go for one of her go-to submission holds, the Boston Crab. I thought that was really good. We get a, sh- a clothesline shoulder tackle stalemate between the two. We knew we were going to get it. We got it. Loved it. Um, they go back and forth. Eventually, Himika hits a big back suplex, Follows up with the sliding Larry and the JP coaster for two. Himika hits that big power bomb, the concussion bomb for two. She goes for Larry at Utami Ducks and hits a big release German suplex. That was scary. That was like Masawa Kawada style. Just brutal. Good way to create separation. Good way for Utami to get back up. Utami goes to, to pick up, goes for the torture rack bomb. Himika escapes and follows with a series of lariats and then another big concussion running power bomb for the three count and gets an upset. Another upset here. Four and a quarter stars. Uh, Utami was a favorite for a lot of people to win the red block and a favorite for a lot of people to win the whole thing. Loses on night one. So, salt match though. Four and a quarter stars. The main event of night one, Sahazuki versus Julia, Blue Stars block match. These two pick up right where they left off, you know, from their, their tag matches that they've been having, building up to this with a hockey-style street fight. They battle at the top of the ramp. Uh, the ref tries to break it up, and Julia throws the ref down and launches off the ref's back for a drop kick. And you know me, I don't like abuse on the referee, but this was fine. No problem with it here. You know, I... Come to think of it, I've only wrestled heel a handful of times, and I have used something similar to this. The thing that I would do is my contact fell out. I know this is an audio podcast, but I'm doing you know uh, quotes. My contact fell out, and I would have the ref get on all fours to look for my contact, and I would launch off the back. So I, I don't know why I thought of that. but <laughs> um, So I had no problem with the little nah, – it's not giant abuse, but the little thing that Julie does here. And she's done it a couple times before. God bless her for taking that you know, flat back bump onto uh, that stage. Uh, that was that was a heck of a thud. She tries to go for a glorious driver off the ramp. Zuki slips through. She hits a big boot that sends Julia all the way down to the ramp. And then not to be outdone to see who's the craziest person on this night, Hazuki dives off the ramp onto Julian all of Donald Del Mundo. I thought that was a great visual. Just that kind of back and forth they did there. Great visual. They brawl back to the ring where Julia goes to headbutt, not uh, to the ringside, excuse me. Julia gets the advantage and sets up Hazuki onto the ring post, goes for a headbutt, 
and misses it. She headbutts the post. Very Nigel McGuinness light. And if you've seen the Nigel McGuinness, uh, Brian Danielson matches from uh, Ring of Honor, especially the one in England where Nigel headbutts, or Nigel gets thrown into the ring post time after time. He's a giant hematoma on his head. Uh, scary. Obviously, this this was brutal. Nowhere near as scary as that. Thank God, but it was a really, really cool visual. God bless Julia. She's going, you can tell she's going all out uh, on this five-star. Back in the ring, a huge slap fest between the two, and you can see as the slap fest is, like, winding down, the two of them really grit down on their teeth because they know, like, these final big slaps are coming, and they lay these in, boy, I'll tell you what. Julia gets the advantage and uh, locks in the STF and switches to the Stealth Viper. Really good selling from both ladies on the offensive and defensive selling. This could have been the finish. Eventually, Hazuki gets out and counters with a code breaker. They go back and forth as eventually Hazuki gets the final advantage with some big strikes. She piles on a Senton, Mijinoka driver, and the best, best brain buster I've ever seen her do. Very much in the vein of Toshiaki Kawada or, uh, or, or uh, Sinjiro uh, Hashimoto. I mean, this, we've seen Hazuki use the brain buster a lot, but this was like very dangerous. But you can see the way she took the bomb, very dangerous. Again, very Hashimoto, Kawada-esque. Four and three-fourth stars. Now I know why Sherry and Izumi didn't go on last. <laughs> Not that I think if they flipped them, I don't think anybody would have been uh, would have been heartbroken. So, again, Utami, favorite to win the red block, loses night one. Julia, favorite to win the blue block, win, loses on night one. So, very interesting booking here. Four and three-fourth stars. I thought Hazuki and Julia was the best match of night one. So, going on to night two, which was the very next night, was... The 31st of July in front of 1,367 fans. Hold on one sec here. Give me a little drink. We move into the very first match. I guess the pre-show match or whatever you want to call it was the tag gauntlet. So match one saw Lady C and Hina versus Azumi and Miyu Amasaki. So right from the get-go, we have some Queen's Quest team. Azumi Sushi over Lady C. And I thought Azumi looked really, really good here for someone who didn't have to go all out. She, she really did. She made everything count. And I thought it was cool that after she got the Izumi Sushi on Lady C, she asked her, like, are you okay? I thought it was cool. Like, she was checking on her fellow Queen's Quest member. I thought that was so nice of the high-speed champion. The second part of this match, Izumi, Miyu versus Ruwaka and Rina. Izumi uh, Sushi on Ruwaka. And then we get uh, Hana and Hizuki. They're, they're a really good team together. I thought this was a really good segment. With Izumi and Miyu versus Hana and Hazuki. Miyu rolls up Hana for the win. Wonder if that's going to lead to a future championship starter match here. So that is a very, very good possibility. Uh, Zumi and Miyu versus uh, My Sakurai and Micah. Uh, Micah gets the win on uh, I guess the win on Miyu with the rolling lariat. I thought that was in to win the to win the tag gauntlet. So poor Zumi and Miyu run through the entire Larry, the entire gauntlet, and then the Donald Domando team comes out, and they just have to win one match. <laughs> oh, what can you do? But uh, I thought this was really good. I thought this was a little bit better than night one. Three and a half stars. But I think both tag gauntlets are really, really good. Really good way to uh, to get the crowd going. And again, a lot of star power in this match as well. You know, you had Izumi in there. You had uh, Hazuki in there. You had Micah in there. So I thought that was, that was really good. Really good booking. Match number one, well, official match number one of this uh, night two is a Red Stars block match as we saw Koguma take on Momo Kogo. 
Momokogo tries to steal right off the bat. She does a little healer stuff right off the bat. Goes for some uh, near falls when Koguma's you know thinking that they're you're gonna shake hands because they're both members of Stars. Koguma being really uh, excuse me Momo being really aggressive out of the get go. Uh, Momo looks really solid here. She's looking better each and every night. Obviously, she's a replacement for Tekla. She's really doing a good job taking advantage of the situation here. She hit the Nectar Peach for two, but ultimately Kogula uses her high-speed offense towards the end to get the advantage and the Koguma roll for the win, three and a half stars. Match number two, Mina Shirakawa versus Momo Watanabe, a Blue Stars block match. Now, I've been talking on social media how I thought this was going to be like the sleeper match of the weekend, and I even on when I did my review... I was saying about how I think this is it's not going to be a match that it's going to be like match of the year. But I think when it's over with, I think a lot of fans are going to be really impressed just by how much Mina has improved. We've seen her on social media working with a kickboxing coach. So we know that she does a really good job throwing that Instaguri, uh, throwing the forearms, that rolling form that she's been really improving on. And it looked like we were going to see some kicks. So what better opponent to uh, have your first match with? The throw kicks, then basically one of the best kickers in all of wrestling, Mama Watanabe. I don't like to sound like, you know, Ric Flair, Mr. Perfect, and Bobby Heenan after Ric Flair won the 1992 Royal Rumble when he said, I don't like to be the one to say I told you so, but I told you so. And I told everybody that will listen to me that this match is going to be fantastic. And I told you so. This was great. Uh, the one negative thing I got to get out of the way is Mina is, starts dancing on the ramp. Momo cuts her off. Now, I don't mind the cutting off of the dancing. Just don't do it to Tam. <laughs> uh, but so Momo, Momo's not even introduced. She just blasts Mina, beats her up on the ramp, bumps her, and then she runs in the ring and the ref starts counting. I'm like, well, it's not an official match yet. Like they didn't, neither of them got in the ring. The ref didn't check anybody for weapons. So I was, that was like the one thing I was like, huh, really? Like if you want to do the jump, maybe on the entrances, not on the, like when they're announcing the names, have Momo jump Mina throw her outside poster and then maybe take her up the ramp and then bump her. Uh, again, I'm not going to tell Stardom how to do their booking because they're absolutely fantastic. But it's like, it's not an official match. Why are we counting out poor Mina? Um, he, right from the get-go from there, once Mina beats the 20 count with some stiff kicks and some stiff forearms, Mina does a great job selling and feeding, and then she fires up at the right time, which I think that Momo gave her her cue because we all know Momo is a genius when it comes to pro wrestling Mina fires back at the right time with some forearms and some kicks really really good kicks uh, Momo counters with a DDT or excuse me um, Mina goes for a DDT when she gets the advantage on Momo but she slips through and counters with a deep crossface chicken wing and then a tequila sunrise followed up by two meteors for two Mina comes back with a series of really stiff forearms uh, roaring elbows and some uh, some reversed uh, backhand slaps I thought that was really good Momo counters back with some kicks and forearms. You know me, I like a big strike fest, and these two really, really brought it. You know, this was a really, they did a good job bringing the crowd in, too, with these stiff, stiff shots. Mina rever reverses a bastard driver to a near fall when the ref gets pulled. Momo hits some, a crazy series of kicks and a really stiff buzzsaw kick onto Momo. She goes, or excuse me, onto Mina. She goes for the wrench. I love Momo Watanabe, but they got to get rid of this wrench. They really do. It just takes me out of it. She goes. For, she doesn't need it either. She goes for the wrench, but the uh, her and the ref are playing tug of war with the wrench. This allows Mina to get allows Mina to get up, hits that beautiful Instaguri, and then the glorious connect collection Mina for the win and a giant shocking upset. Didn't see this coming at all. I knew this was going to be a good match. I figured they would. Momo was just coming off that title challenge against Shiri. 
I thought that Momo would get the win here. Mina gets a very important win. This was the best. I had this four and a quarter stars. This is the best Mina match I've ever seen. I think this is like a top four or five singles match for Momo for this year. I mean, I know she hasn't had a lot of them. But like the Hazuki match at uh, World Climax, I think, was, was better. The Sherry title match was better. I'm just thinking at the top of my head, what other match? Singles match for Momo was better this year than this one. I absolutely love this match. I thought that this was absolutely fantastic. And it's match number two. Like, what a way to really, really get going. What a good way to, you know, just hours prior, us Dino fans were mourning that we weren't getting Io Shirai back. What a good way to heal heal our hearts. <laughs> Again, good on you. God bless you. Go hit a home run. We know you will, Queen. Match number three, Sa- Saki versus Risa Sarah. Red Stars block match. Risa uses some uh, submission holds early on to try and slow Saki's fast-paced offense down. I noticed that um, in the few matches I've seen Saki wrestle, she does a really good job using a little bit of high-speed offense. So maybe that'll be opponent somewhere down the line for Izumi. Saki versus Izumi for the high-speed championship. We've seen some numerous people in the high-speed division you know, in the past couple months that really haven't had any high-speed matches. So wouldn't be shocked to see Saki and Izumi somewhere down the line for the high-speed championship. Eventually, excuse me, eventually Saki fires up on Risa Sarah, hits a few big boots and a brain buster for two. Uh, Risa Sarah starts countering some of Saki's offense and hits an air raid crash for the win. Three and a quarter stars. I was kind of hoping this would have got a little bit more time. It seemed like they tried to pack like a 12-minute match in like seven or eight minutes. But I thought it was fine for what it was. Match number four saw the next Kari tag match as Mayu Iwatani and Saeeda versus Kari and Natsupoi. Uh, Poi brings back her classic look uh, as Kari gives her a hat. I thought that was a cute little 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 spot. Chop fest between Kari and Saeeda. I thought this was a really good showing for Saeeda. You know, Lady C really didn't get too, too much in the first match. I was kind of hoping. We, I think everybody figured that Saeeda was eating the pin here. But I thought they did a really good job showcasing her, her here. I thought it was really good. Really good chop fest with Kari and Saeeda. Uh, tags out to Poi and Mayu. And they, they don't miss. I don't remember. I got to go back and watch. And you folks might know better than me. Is Did Natsupoi and Mayu ever have like a long singles match? Like sub or not sub like post 12 minutes? Because these two were fantastic. I would love to see these two, you know, go at it for somewhere where it's going to be 12, 13, 14 minutes. I mean, they are in the same block of the, the five stars. So uh, maybe that's uh, something that we'll, we'll see somewhere down the line. So, yeah, I thought these two were, were absolutely fantastic. Some really, really good uh some really good chemistry back and forth between the two. So, yeah, we'll see what they do in the five-star. Uh, double spear from Kari onto Mayu and Saeeda. I thought Mayu and Saeeda's tag stuff was really, really good here. Got slowed down with that double spear from Kari. Really good-looking visual. Uh, Mayu starts lighting Kari up with some huge forearms. They go back and forth, and then she, everybody pitches to the outside, and then she hits that crazy suicide dive that she missed the night before. Uh, then she pitched her back in pair of super kicks, and this crowd is absolutely buzzing. Really, really coming up for this. This crowd is really into this. Back in the Saeeda really gets up on Kari. Kari gave her a lot here. And Kari really did a good job feeding and selling for Saeeda. She knocks in the uh, locks in the Nagata lock. I really like how they're getting that move over with Saya. And I liked her to see maybe have her win one or two matches, like big matches in this tournament with the Nagata lock. I think that's a, they're doing a really good job getting that over, especially since Yuji Nagata is right there at ringside doing the commentary. Natsupoi breaks up, and then we get some really good uh, sequences with Mayu and Natsupoi, and then we get the, uh, eventually, Natsupoi gets the advantage on Mayu, pitches Mayu to the outside, 
They put up Saida into the turnbuckle of the trio woe. Kari and Natsupoi come off with a double double stomp onto Saida. I thought that was really good. Kari hits the spinning back fist on Saida, but Saida fires up. I thought that was great. And then she fires up on Kari with several near falls. Uh, eventually, the spinning back fist is hit again, <laughs> and uh, Natsupoi hits the ferial train onto onto uh, Saida, and then Kari hits Saida with the beautiful beautiful insane elbow for the three count i thought that was really good i thought that the uh, the finish there was really good about how saida was she almost had kari tap out to the nagata lock she eats the spinning back fist like a champ fires up she gets a couple near falls on to kari with some of her flash pins and then it basically takes natsupoi and kari some few double teams to kind of keep saida down and then kari hits an even stiffer spinning back fist on the Saya. And then, uh, the, you know, they had to go back. They had to go, you know, two for two, or excuse me, finisher to finisher with the Ferial Gift and the Insane Elbow. Four and a half stars. I think I like this tag match slightly better than the night before, but I think the bigger story coming out of these Kari matches is her and Saya Kamatani. I think just the chemistry there was just a little bit better. Uh, I think that's the point stuff here. It looked really, really good. And you had Mayu in the match. And they did a really good job focusing and bringing up Saida. So I think I, yeah, but both matches, four and a half stars. But I think that I'd like the tag match on night two. Just a little bit better. Let me know which one you folks liked. Love to hear it. We go to match number five. We saw Himika coming up with a big upset from night one, taking on Tam, Red Stars, Black match. Classic story of speed versus power. Uh, plus Tam uses Himika's power against her. Like with some counter wrestling. I thought it was really smart on Tam doing that. Tam starts targeting uh, Himika's arm to take away the power advantage and those brutal, brutal lariats. There's even one spot in the match where Himika's really starting to get going and she goes for the lariat and Tam kicks the arm out and then she hits a spin kick right onto it, perfectly placed and perfectly fed by Himika. And then a tiger suplex for two. She goes for the violent shooting but misses. Himika hits a big uh, sliding lariat and she winds up selling the arm. She can't follow up all the way. Tam gets the advantage back by going after Himika's hurt arm again. Hits three violent shootings back to back to back. And then hits the Twilight Dream for the pinfall. Again, it was a very, very uh, four stars. Very easy psychology, easy to follow. Slow building. And then once it picked up, they really had a great ending. Especially with Tam. You know, when this match was announced, I was like, okay, Tam's going to win. She'll probably win with a bunch of violent shootings. I was shocked to see her get the Tiger Suplex, and then she hit the three violent shootings in a row, and I thought that was going to be the that was going to be the finish, but she was able to hit a perfect Twilight Dream onto Himika, who's way taller than Tam. I mean, just just shows you just the core strength of Tam and the perfect bridge. Uh, really good spectacle. It's a really good slow slow build, but that finish is really, that last two and a half three minutes is where it really kicked in, especially with the, the finish, which is perfect. So I was going to have it at like three and a half stars. But just based on that finish, I bumped it up a half a star to four stars. Okay, folks. Match number six is a Blue Stars block match. We see Mirai versus Julia. So you figure, okay, there's no way Julia's going to lose this one, right? She's the odds-on favorite from everybody to, you know, to win this whole tournament. She lost on white, night one. No problem. She's going to rebound here. Well, this was another shocker. Um, great match, though. Mariah starts off. She's so desperate to get on that double wrist lock. Really, really going for it. 
Um, you know, they're going back and forth with some really good chain wrestling. And anytime that Mirai gets a part of the wrist or gets the arm, she's trying to lock in that double wrist lock. So I thought that was really good psychology. It's like it's she's trying to get this match over with quick. And she's going to one of her bread and butter holds. And they do a really good job of highlighting Julia that she kind of knows the tricks of the double wrist lock to get out. So I thought that was really good. Mirai uh, gets the advantage and goes for the mirror Mirai shock with Julia counters with the, uh, the, the stealth viper. Mirai gets the advantage back with some brutal, brutal lariats, including more lariats to the back of the neck. I guess that's like her go-to, uh, which I think we're going to see a lot of that here in this tournament. She goes for the mirror Mirai shock again. Julia slips out and hits a beautiful backdrop driver. Looked like when she was going to pick her up, their timing was off a little. And Julia did a good job kind of holding Mirai there for a split second just to kind of get her timing back. And then she got almost like deadlifting her, which I thought was really cool visual. I mean, it actually made the move look even better. Um, she goes for the glorious driver. Mirai slips out and hits a series of lariats, especially two to the back of Julia's neck. They go back and forth with some quick pinfalls, or we call the fish out of water spot. Eventually, Mirai lands on top, and Mirai has a solid, solid cover here. Big fan of solid covers and gets the shocking win as Julia goes 0-2. Oh, my. Fantastic match. Fantastic finish. Four and a quarter stars. And I alluded to earlier when I reviewed night one. What a way to build Mirai up. You've been building her up all year. Wins the Cinderella tournament. Goes 0 for 3 on title shots and over the next few months. And then she gets a win over Mayu, the icon of stardom. And then a win over Julia, the odds-on favorite to win this tournament. What a great way just to build Mirai back up. Just the booking on stardom is just, just genius. It's just genius. Match number 7, a rematch from the match of the year. As we see Blue Stars block match, Starlight Kid versus Sai Kamatani. And these two pick up right where they left off from their match just a few weeks ago. Great offensive back and forth. Some really good high-speed offense between the two. The two of them sticking to their bread and butter. Really good chemistry between these two. Really awesome spot with um, Sai Kamatani going for the Star Crusher. But Starlight Kid getting out and hits a lightning spiral. It's just a beautiful spin. Beautiful timing. And the way that Sai Kamatani folded herself up. Really, really cool. I thought that was... Uh, that was a really cool visual. Uh, there's, there's another spot early on in the match when Starlight Kid gets the advantage and she hits the Asai Moonsault. And then not to be outdone, she pitches Sai Kamatani in the ring, the white belt champion in the ring. Sai gets the advantage, and then she hits the perfect the, the pitcher-perfect springboard plancha onto her. I thought that was, that was really, really, really good, how it's just like you're going to do one cool aerial move. Cool, Starlight Kid. I'm going to do my really cool aerial move. You know, that's just like 50-50 back-and-forth psychology. And with two wrestlers that are so evenly matched, I really, really liked it. Especially this as the uh, the semi-main event. Counter after counter with these two. Neither Starlight Kid or Sai Kamatani really getting a clear advantage. Lots of quick near falls. Um, eventually, Sai Kamatani hits the Star Crusher for a two count. She gets cut off when she goes to the top rope. We all know she's going for the Phoenix Splash. Sai Kamatani gets the advantage back with some really, really stiff strikes. We've been seeing her, especially after that Mirai match, really focusing on her strikes really having really brutal strikes like the that spin kick that she throws that looks like she almost wraps around her opponent's head and she's been throwing some really really good forearms so just adding to the uh, you know the already fantastic offense that is Saya Kamatani uh Saya goes for the Star Crusher but Starlight Kid counters with the Hurricanrana pin for the win we saw we seen this like the way that Starlight Kid did this in their championship match just a few weeks ago that when Starlight Kid when she's has the her karana she like wraps her feet in like an x 
over Saya's head and rolls through. And then she basically crosses the leg. So she has like a leg cross on the neck and then like a leg cross on, well, you know, with her arms on Saya's legs for adding more leverage. And I remember when they had the championship match just a few weeks ago, I thought that was a really good fallacy because a lot of people bit, including me. And this time they go back to it and it's actually the actual win. I think that was fantastic. I had this at four and three fourth stars. I think the championship match was better just because the stakes were bigger because you have the white belt on the line and you had a little bit more time uh, to tell your story. But regardless, with them having less than getting this done in less than 15 minutes, fantastic. Four and three fourth stars. We move on to the main event. So we follow up the match of the year, in my opinion, uh, so far this year. Uh, between Starlight Kid and Sayakamatani versus the matches I had one or two uh, last year for Stardom in 2021, Utami versus Jerry. So you're going back-to-back on matches of the year. A lot of people expected this match to go to time limit draw. They only had 15 minutes to work with. So we've seen them go to the time limit draw last year. We've seen them go to the time limit draw in the double knockout uh, in their match in June. And then we've seen them go almost 40 minutes in their championship match uh, at the end of the year at Wrestle Queendom. So uh, these two, they start off with a really, really tight lockup. You know I'm always going to pop for that. They trade forearms back and forth. Shiri grounds Utami with a tight headlock. One thing I've noticed watching these Shiri matches, the way she locks in a headlock, something some as simple as a headlock. You know, we know she's got a shooter background. She's fought in the UFC. She's a former Pancreas Strawweight champion. So she knows about, like, what we call, like, the cause they call and catch wrestling, the chin strap. When you're locking on something on something's opponent's chin, you want to go from like ear to ear. She does a really good job locking in the headlock. And I pop huge for that. Again, it's these little things that to me they add up to making, you know, the technical things just make a wrestler so much better. And Sherry does everything so well, especially just like lockups, headlocks, and just grinding Utami down with the headlock, trying to wear Utami down. Sherry goes right to Utami's arm to try to away try to take away some of her power and those series of lariats that we know her coming regardless. Sherry lays in some stiff kicks on Utami as she really gets the first advantage. Um, they wind up brawling to the apron. Sherry goes for a head kick, but eventually, excuse me, Sherry, uh, Utami gets Sherry to the apron. She fires back up on Sherry, and she locks in a hanging rear naked choke from the top rope, which I believe is now that shot of uh, Utami locking on the rear naked choke on Sherry is actually the cover of the next weekly pro wrestling magazine which I just put an order in. So I was like, sweet, anytime Stardom's on the cover of that magazine, I will always order and get it shipped from Japan. So um, kudos on to them for doing that spot because guess what, ladies? You made the cover of a weekly pro wrestling magazine. The two of them brawl to the apron. Shiri goes for a head kick onto Utami, gets blocked, and Utami hits the air raid crash onto the apron that we've seen so many times as the momentum swings back to the Queen's Quest leader. Shiri... Uh, Utami uh, piles up on Sherry with some strikes, but Sherry quickly cuts off Utami with a DDT on the floor um, as the crowd really, really comes up. They did a really good job selling at that certain point. Uh, back to the ring, Sherry hits a uh, series of strif- stiff strikes back and forth and then goes after Utami's arm again. Psychology kids, stay you know, stay on it with a rolling arm bar. Uh, really, really good spot to put that in. You know, you're wearing down your opponent with those kicks. You want to go back to the arm. Perfect time for it as, you know, Utami's arms open for it. Um, Utami desperately gets to the ropes. She counter, uh, Sherry starts laying in some kicks. She goes for a big kick, but Utami catches it and counters it with the power bomb. 
and then hits a big release German suplex and onto uh, Sherry. Sherry sells to the turnbuckle. Yutami knows this is her chance. She only has a few minutes to get this done. She can't go down 0 for 2, especially on her rival Sherry. She hits a whole bunch of clotheslines into the turnbuckle, picks up Shuri onto the top rope, hits a top rope air raid crash for a near two count. Um, she hits a big headbutt and then a beautiful bridging German suplex for two. I always think that Utami should win more matches with that German suplex. Reminds me a lot of uh, Takayama. Shuri counters the onslaught and she hits a German suplex of her own, but the former champion won't stay down. She knows now at this point, the timekeeper's counting down the time. We're getting under a minute. Sherry has our uh, Utami fires up on her rival with a b- series of lariats, piles on back and forth, which is strike after strike, clothesline after clothesline, fighting through the earlier pain that the champion has done on the arm, hits a hijack bomb as the time limit almost expires. I thought maybe we'd had a time limit draw here, like she wouldn't be able to follow up. This was just beautiful, absolutely beautiful, great pacing. Great storytelling with Sherry just trying to stay on Utami's arm. Utami, I think the fact that Utami lost on night one really showed her urgency here the last two minutes of this match, knowing that she couldn't go for a draw or obviously couldn't go for go for a, a loss here. I thought it was really smart booking to have Utami lose in night one, which I was kind of scratching my head when it first happened. But just the sense of urgency these last two minutes just really added on to it. And it just goes and shows us a great backstory from night one. I lost on night one. I got to win on night two. Fires through the pain. Piles on with all those big moves at the end. I had this at five stars, and this was my match of the week. Uh, the weekend. Absolutely love this match. And the fact they were able to tell another fantastic story and did it in just under 15 minutes just goes to show you that this very well could be the best rivalry in all of wrestling coming up in the next 10 years. You know, we're just coming on the tail end of Okada and Tanahashi. To me, that is the greatest rivalry in the history of pro wrestling. Just, uh, they just constantly top each other, you know, and who's better. The matches tell really, really good stories. But the fact that these two ladies were able to do this under 15 minutes just absolutely blew my mind. A fantastic match, and I loved it. You know, and literally my last note here is Utami needing an ultra blitz time after time to crack the Shuri code. She finally gets a singles pinfall win over Shuri. So this just adds on so much more. So if Utami doesn't win the tournament, she's got a title shot lined up. She's got a title shot lined up because she beat the champion. You know, Sherry's first singles pinfall loss in, you know, roughly around a year. I'd have to go back into Rob Goodwin's book, Living the Dream, starting the 10th anniversary interview. I usually, it's, I have it. It's literally on the other side of the room. But, um, yeah, uh, fantastic. Both shows, A+. plus. What I'm going to do is just as, as these shows start adding up, you know, when I get to the end of the podcast, I'm going to give you my top five matches from the tournament. Since there is only two matches, or, yeah, two matches, two shows, I'm just going to do top three. So number three would be Azumi Shuri. Number two would be Hazuki Julia, and number one would be Utami Rashiri, which I guess in my match of the year, it seems like after every podcast, I'm going back and forth between Saya and Sherry. I guess after these two nights, I, maybe Sherry has taken over Saya. And the fact that Saya like, and Starlight Kid, I, again, I had it four and three fourth stars, and it didn't make my top <laughs> top uh top three matches just because I just like the dynamic between Sherry and Azumi and they could switch 
I'm probably going to go back and watch these matches, and, and it could switch. But as I'm recording this podcast, uh, you know, those are my three matches. Um, again, Azumi, Sherry, three. Two would be Hazuki, Julia, and number one would be Sherry and Utami. And I've seen a lot of people posting their top three, their top five, and a lot of people have a lot of different things. I had somebody, I seen somebody that number two put Momo and Mina. I was like, all right, fantastic. And it's your opinion. There's nothing you know wrong with your opinion. You can say whoever you want. That's completely your opinion. You know why you like something over, over something else. You know there's nothing wrong with that. And by all means, send me your top three. Send me your top five. Tell me what you think has the, the, been the sleeper match of these first two nights. Because I thought every match was fantastic. I thought, you know, Saya's, the two tag matches with Saya and Lady C versus Kari and Nene and uh, Kari and Natsupoi versus Mayu and Saya Ida. I thought those were terrific. And I thought the two pre-show, pre-show uh, gauntlet matches were really, really excellent with a lot of st- star power. So uh, absolutely, absolutely fantastic shows. So I uh, hope you're all enjoying them. Tell me what you think. And, Tell me uh, what's going to happen with Julia. You think she's going to run the table and win the rest of the matches? I think she almost kind of has to now. So maybe that's, you know, we saw she took a pinfall loss in the Artist of Stardom Championship match just a few weeks ago, and then she loses back-to-back matches here. So I think this would be a good way to build her back up. You know, she just ate three pinfall losses pretty much in a row on pay-per-view, and I think she's pretty much going to run the table here. I could be wrong. Could be wrong. Um because the booking is really, really interesting here, and it's you know keeping a lot. That's great. It's great about the five star. You can get a lot of upsets. You can get a lot of upsets, and no time limit draws. Not that I'm against them, but we didn't have any time limit draws here just yet. But I think that they're coming. Uh, I got no problem with them as long as they're wrestling solid, and it was so. Uh, before we, before I uh, finish up this episode, I got to give kudos to the editor in chief of this podcast, Mr. Sean Montrose. If you are on any of our uh, Patreons, first of all, I thank you. Second of all, I release a lot of content. I was just talking to him earlier today. I think he said he did. He edited and put up like five shows in five days or five shows in like six days between the Arissa review, between the uh, between the normal podcast that we do, the, you know, the, the free weekly one between the watch along that uh, that I did, the one between Mayu and uh, Takumi Aroha from uh, 2020 for the uh, for the Red Belt. Between the bonus episode that the two bonus episodes that we did, the watch along that me and Sean did with Mayu versus Momo, and the uh, other bonus episode with the five star preview, I think he said he did like five. We put up like five shows in five days, something like that. So, uh, kudos to him. I mean, that guy just he just he just works his ass off. He does everything he possibly can do to make this podcast better. He's always texting me with ideas. To try to make everything better and i can't thank him enough and uh you know we got him into stardom didn't take much took one match we're getting him into stardom and maybe the next uh handful of months once we get him more familiar with the product maybe we'll have him on to review a show i think we're gonna do another watch along in another few weeks so uh you know because everyone seemed to really like him on the show so uh thanks a million by all means uh, you know get a chance just go on social media sean montrose just you know, send him some love, you know, listen to his podcast that he does with his beautiful wife, uh, the illest couple, really, really good, informative and funny podcasts. As far as the Patreon members, I can't say thank you enough. I mean, it's, it just seems like every day I'm turning around, there's more and more people supporting the Patreon. So I, I thank you so much. The Arisa Hoshinki review, people have been asking, uh, asking us for months to do, to do that review. When I put that up on the poll, I knew that was going to win. Uh, I had a great time with it. Just dropped that a few days ago. Just fantastic feedback. 
Um, so thank you, uh, everybody, so much. You, Tommy, review has gotten you know nothing but thumbs up. And everybody loves these watch alongs. They love the watch alongs. So we're gonna be dropping the next watch along uh, Monday. That'll be in your feed on Monday. It'll be the finals of last year's five star Grand Prix with Momo Watanabe versus Shuri. I'm almost done with the uh, watching all the matches for the next white belt and red belt tier member uh, review, which is Hana Kamara's 2019. Uh, five-star run so that'll probably be in your feeds in the next two weeks or so so uh so yeah that's that folks uh again i can't say thank you enough to all the members of the stardom cast you know friends and family and that's what you guys are you're more than just fans you are friends and family uh big thanks to my man darren chatton who first i mean he sends me the most positive messages all the time on twitter and it just really really motivates me to do the best i can do with this podcast and he's the one that actually sent me the attendance numbers of these two shows so almost 1600 almost 1400 so almost 3000 for the two shows so obviously those are really really good numbers so thanks darren i greatly appreciate all the positive comments and feedback that you give me almost on a daily basis i really i can't say thank you enough and thank you to everybody listening thank you for all the new patreon members you know you can support the show for as little as a dollar three dollar tier you know the white belt tier member gets you two bonus shows and then the red belt tier member gets you those two bonus shows plus a week a weekly watch along and then I believe sometime in the next month or so, Sean is going to be conducting uh, an Ask Matt Anything AMA. So um, look for that on the Patreon. So again, guys, thank you so, so much for the support. I hope you're enjoying the five-star questions, comments. Let me know what matches you're enjoying. Let me know what uh, you know what's going on. Let me know if there's anything that I can help you with, you know, help you make your day better and just, you know, just be all better together. You know, just hit me up on social media, Matt Turner OF, on the Instagram and or the Twitter. Just because remember, guys, we're all in this together, and everybody's special. Everybody's different. Everybody's different. Everybody's special. One of these days, I'll get it right. Thank you all so much. Have a great day. Have a great night. Love you all. Stay positive. Mm -hmm.